greetings to everyone at home and everywhere you have tuned in from and welcome to the second part of the four part series titled Confidence in Christ in the End Times. We want to remind you that the, the aim behind the series is just to help a child of God, a believer, a born again person how to navigate end-time prophecies and how to go through the book of Revelation with confidence. It's not to delve deeper into speculative end-time prophecies or even go as far as implications of the different imageries are concerned. I just wanted to remind you that and a special welcome to kids that are watching with their parents. Let me remind you once more. God loves you and we love you too. We are continuing with the part two, but we will take another detour for the next few weeks. We want to take some time and, 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 and invest in empowering the youth during this youth month. And so what we will do is we will endeavor to still fly to the, the series, the remaining two parts. But what we will do is we will inform you on our different platforms, including Facebook, when we will fly them, what times uh, they will premiere on the given dates and days. Also, let me just say to Cosmos City Church members, as we have announced in our different platforms, we are working to gradually open up the services and the work of the Lord that has been continuing. So what we have communicated this far is that we will officially be opening the Wednesday services or Wednesday prayers and the counseling sessions. So on the 13th and the 14th, which will be Saturday and Sunday, from 9 to 1, on those given days, we will be opening up for people that need counseling, that need any form of intervention to come to church. The leadership will be available to help you through whatever you need help with. However, this should be done appointment so if you are intending to come and meet one of the elders or the leaders please make an, a, an appointment with their office and all the precautionary measures stipulated and gazetted by the government are already in place for that the following Wednesday will be an official opening for the stipulated number to attend Wednesday prayer meeting. So the prayer meeting will come after, will open officially, after the first opening of the counseling on the 13th and the 14th. And as we had already mentioned, we will assess how we progress with the two as we do a gradual opening. And we will assess at the end of June will then give another formal uh, directive as to what is next 
with regard to opening the Sunday services. And on that note, let me just pray for us. If you have any questions, contact any of the leaders, life group leaders, elders, or the Cosmo City Church office. Shall I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. I pray that as we share your word, there will be clarity and simplicity, Lord. We continue to ask the leading of your spirit. Holy Spirit, lead us. Give us words that are not aloof or intended to be eloquent, but words that are spirit-inspired and are clear to the listener, to the viewer, and they will impart faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus, that Jesus is sufficient to take us through whatever we're going through and whatever the devil will throw our direction. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the lives that will be touched by this message. We pray for healing over those that are sick, and we pray that, Lord, your word will give courage to people to work on their salvation with fear and trembling as you work in them, Lord, to will and to act according to your good pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, over the past week or so, we covered um, vital facts to consider before you engage with end-time prophecies in a meaningful and a helpful way. And one of the things we mentioned is that it is critical for you to be well versed with the writings of the apostles, with the epistles, and with the, 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 the gospels. So that when you go to read the book of Revelation or other eschatological writing for that matter, you are established in what the finished work of cross of the cross of Christ has achieved and what this would mean for you in the future, whatever the enemy does. And so we covered that. And if you have not uh, listened to that, go and listen to that because the intention is to move on from there. And then we also went on to say, you have to understand the basics of salvation that have an impact as to how you interpret the book of Revelation and as to the, the, the level of faith that you will need going into it to ensure that fear does not grip your heart and all the theories around end times don't instill fear in your heart. And we covered of the number of uh, the basics that we intend covering. We only covered one, and that was children of God have their names written in the book of life. And so what we're doing, we, we, are, we are teaching you on what the epistles say and what in parallel or in its implications, what does it mean for you as you read the book of Revelation? And what we discovered as an application of that basic understanding that my name is written in the book of life, the application we found, I'll just uh, look into one verse that uh, speaks to that application. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. It says, 
All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So if you understood that, then when you get to that part of scripture, you know that this does not apply to me. It applies to every other person whose name is not written in the book of life. So today we want to cover two more statements. Hopefully we can finish the two of them. If not, we will announce when we, when we, will we cover them. We want to cover the fact that the hierarchy of evil forces that we wrestle against does not change with end time prophecies. So that's statement number one, that the enemy that we work with, his hierarchy, his structural formation, his authoritative formation does not change with end time prophecies, which means if we deal with the devil, we will still be dealing with the devil and his cohorts. And the authority that he comes with does not increase with end time prophecy. It does not change our own uh, authority with regard to the demonic forces. The second statement that we want to cover, it's one that I've already alluded to by implication, is that the authority relations of a believer to the evil forces do not change with end time, which means you and I, the authority we have now is the same authority we will need even when we, we deal with things in the future. By implication, the authority that you are not using now, if you fail to use it now, you will fail to use it in the future. So Christ has already provided authority-wise everything we need to confront the evil forces that are coming in the future. So let's look in the first statement and the implications, and then we'll see the application. So we're starting in the epistles to say, what does the epistles say about the enemy that we are dealing with? And we want to start off by asking a straightforward question that most of us have an answer to. Who is our enemy? And how has he structured his kingdom for battle against us? Let's start off by identifying who he is. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy, the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So, which means our enemy is the devil. The devil has schemes schemes to, to, to destroy us. He has schemes to thwart God's plans and purposes for our lives. But the devil does not work alone. He has an army of fallen angels called demons that are organized in a structured form. And so Ephesians 
chapter 6 tells us of the structured form of these demonic forces. It says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, one thing I need to mention, I will elaborate on it later, is it's that, maybe let me just elaborate as far as it is necessary at this point. All that is spirit to operate on earth needs a, a, a flesh or a host, a, a human body. Take for instance, God is spirit, but for God to operate on earth, what did he do? John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us, and the word became flesh. So God is spirit to operate in the human realm. God through Jesus Christ became a human being. Man is also spirit, but he dwells also in a bodily form, a flesh. And the Bible also tells us that when angels visited men, they took a form of men. They appeared to Manoah. They appeared to Abraham in bodily forms. They appeared to Lot in bodily form. In a similar manner, it also tells us that angels of darkness have a way of masquerading as men, as angels of light, but as men too. So the devil also, not only does he possess people, but he also works through them. How does the devil create a new system? So he is the topmost strategist in his kingdom. Then you have all these other structures of demonic forces. But they have to work also through human beings. So the first thing that they do, the Bible says in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it, it, it speaks of the fact that the devil blinds unbelievers. Let me read. It says from, I'll, I'll take it from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 3. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, talking of the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God displayed in the face of Christ. So when the devil has bound people, he controls them. The devil controls anyone who is not controlled by the Spirit of God. If you are a believer, you have escaped that uh, corruptive 
a, a control from the enemy. Listen to what Ephesians 2 tells you from verse 1 to verse 2. It says, as for you, talking of you as a child of God who is born again. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The spirit, the Bible calls it the spirit of disobedience. Is, so he blinds people and he works through them. He works through them to the point that his influence on them captures them to the extent that they take an identity similar to his. So people become murderers, people become liars, people become cheats, people become everything that is originally in character, the devil's nature. Listen to how Jesus rebuked people of his day. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. So, you see, the spirit of murder is the nature of the devil which he influences and infuses people with when he has blinded them as they choose not to listen to the gospel. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So what I want you to understand is that God works through believers. As I had already said in the past, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit. God's spirit, uh, Paul, as he writes to Timothy, says, we have not received the spirit of fear or timidity, which means other people have received the same spirit. Hence, people have to appease ancestors. People have to appease demonic forces. But we have received the spirit of God, of power, of love, and a sound mind. So God comes, infuses us, baptizes us, fills us with his, his spirit. So he works in us through the Holy Spirit. In a similar manner, the devil works through people who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, who reject being born again. He works through them. Now, what is the, 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 the very essence of this work? It means two kingdoms are at loggerheads. One through the spirit of God and the other through the spirits. You see, the devil works through the spirits, the demons, as it were. So what I want to highlight, and as I had said, my intention is not to identify the, the Antichrist, but I want to look at what the Bible says so that you understand, for instance, that the Antichrist, as most people want to believe, it's not just 
an entity or a person that is coming in the future. It is a spirit that has been working, which works in light and in alignment and subjection to how the devil himself works. Remember, we are talking about the devil schemes. So all the demonic spirits are actually advancing the devil's schemes. So I want to run a parallel. I'm aware of the theological debate between the Antichrist and the man of lawlessness. Whether you see them as one or you see them as separate, that's not what I want to address now. What I want to address is that both spirits or manifestations of demonic forces serve one goal, the devil's schemes. For the devil is our, our adversary. And what I also want to highlight is be aware that even as we talk about this, the Antichrist as a term, anti just means against. So we're looking at the spirit that works against Christ. So anti against Christ. So anti anything that is Christ related. The nature, the works of Christ is anti-cross. I think it's worthwhile to also mention that it's in the Johannine epistles where the Antichrist is mentioned. John is the one who mentions them. So I want us to look briefly at what John has to say about Antichrist. Paul is the one who writes about the men of lawlessness in the New Testament. Forget about at this stage about what Daniel has to say about it. So let me just read through. As I read through, I want you to think, if you, you associate the Antichrist with the dragon in the book of Revelation, I want to start helping you develop a theology to say, okay, if the Antichrist operates this way, what can I expect in the book of Revelation? If the lawless man operates this way, what can I expect in the book of Revelation? In a similar manner, if you say the lawless man and the Antichrist are one, what can you expect in the book of Revelation? So, let's quickly go through that. Um, we're reading, let's start from 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Little children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come, future. Even now there are many Antichrists, plural, current, whereby we know that is the last time. So already we realize that it is an ongoing manifestation of a spirit that is based on the evil schemes of the devil. 1 John 2.22 Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Antichrist? So the spirit of the Antichrist operates through denying that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. 1 John 4, 2-3 by this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. 2 John chapter 1 verse 7. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So what can we surmise from these readings? It says it is the spirit of the antichrist that is coming and is already at work. Meaning the enemy that we most suppose are thinking we will deal with, we are already dealing with the antichrist. There is a denial of Christ. There is heresies around Christ. There is people all over the world who are anti-Christians, who are anti uh, the, 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 the finished work of the cross, who deny that Christ came in the flesh, others deny that Christ even resurrected. All of these fall within the definition of the Antichrist. Now let's turn our attention to the lawless one or the man of lawlessness. This we find in the book of 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to read just from verse 1 to verse 4 and then we'll jump to other verses. This is Paul. He says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by a word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you. So you see, the Antichrist operates through this, uh, the, the deception as well. says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, look, the man of lawlessness, singular, it says the man doomed to destruction. His eventual end is destruction. He will oppose. So how does the law, lawless man operate? Now, remember, I said you are free to either think of them as one or separate them. I'm just telling you the parallel that the Bible uh, puts as you try to understand them. It says, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So you see, the lawless man, this manifestation is not only against Christ, but it seeks to set itself about Christ, above Christ, above anything that is called God. Reading further from verse 7 now, it says, For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. So you see, also 
the, the, the power of lawlessness is not something that we would think, mm, I need to plan, I will deal with it. If you are not already dealing with the spirit of the Antichrist, if you are not dealing with the secret of lawlessness now, if you are not armored well enough, you are not engaged uh, uh, in depth with spiritual warfare and understanding God's workings and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you might be found wanting whilst you are waiting for the Antichrist, the dragon, or the man of lawlessness as it were, however you perceive that. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, singular, will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor. Now, this is very important. It says, by the splendor of his coming. If you are not therefore ready, for the Bible already has shown us that the spirit of the Antichrist is coming, is already at work. The secret powers of the men of lawlessness are coming and are already at work. If you are found still waiting for them to come, oblivious, unaware that we are all already engaged in warfare with the spirit of the Antichrist and the manifestation of the lawlessness, you will be found wanting then because you would have by now forfeited your ability to, to engage in spiritual warfare, to armor yourself properly, to stand your ground so that by then you are not found wanting. The Bible continues to say, the coming of the lawless one. Now, here's a part I want you to hear. It says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. So, which means the lawless one will not operate by his own newly invented schemes because he will just be manifesting what the devil has already put underway as schemes to destroy the world and to thwart God's plans and his purposes. Therefore, when he comes, he's not coming with anything new. If it's deception, it's, we, we, should, we are already dealing with deception. Whatever else will come, but we'll look at that as we look at the dragon. It says, he will use all sorts of display of powers through signs and wonders. Already that is happening that save the lie, who's the father of lies, the devil, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Here's a distinction again. Those who are perishing, those who are denying Jesus as the way, the truth, and the lives will be the ones that are being deceived because they're perishing. Now listen why they are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the love. And so they could be saved. So I want you to understand that already we see this parallel thinking of the Antichrist, the lawless one, already at work, but with other specific 
manifestations later. What I want to turn our attentions to is it says the law, the, 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 the manifestation of the lawless one, his operation, will be in accordance with the workings of Satan. So let's take this understanding. Remember, I'm not identifying whether these are the, the dragon is the money, is these people or not. This, I'm just showing you that the hierarchy, the spirits we are dealing with are not going in the future to need anything else than what we already have that we are not exercising. Therefore, your fear as a child of God is basically informed by either your apathy in your spiritual warfare, your ignorance of what you already have in Christ, or just generally your negligence attitude. So we're reading. This is going to be a long read, but as I read, apply what we have already gleaned from the epistles, and we will just read and comment where it is necessary. So let's go. Reading Marathon now. We're reading Revelation chapter 12. So that's going to be long. A great sign appeared. I'm reading from verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Remember this imagery we already saw in the book of Daniel. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. By implication here, it should be referring to Jesus, because we don't have any other one that the Bible testifies as it does in the book of Hebrews, that his iron scepter is eternal and he will rule the nations. It says, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not in strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The dragon was held down, that ancient serpent. Now, Here's an identity given to the dragon. It says the dragon was held down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Now remember, the devil is our enemy. He does not become our enemy somewhere in the future. He's already our enemy. He was held to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. 
for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been held down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb that gives us power is obviously by the, 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 the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives as much as to shrink from death. That is very important that in the face of everything they were willing to die will come to that aspect of our engagement with the devil. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been held to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, to battle against her children. Those, now the Bible gives identity to the offspring of this woman. It says, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus Christ. So we see that the devil, the dragon, wages war against believers, against Christians, against those who have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, against those whose names are written in the book of life, against those who are washed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let's go to the implications. So we see chapter 12 of Revelation speaks of the dragon. We go in to read uh, chapter 13 and lend it off with that reading. And we'll take it off next time as we shall announce. I'm reading Revelation chapter 13 from verse 1 to 18. It says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. The dragon stood on the shore. So this is not a dragon. And I saw a beast coming away out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns. And on each head, blasphemous names, blaspheming God. So you see the similarities of horns and crowns as the, the dragon. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. Now... Listen to this part. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So the beast did not come up with his own power. He operates in under mandate and delegated authority and in subjection to the dragon. The dragon gives him delegated power. It says the 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 dragon gave the beast his power and throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had 
a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. Now remember, the beast operates on behalf of the dragon, which is the devil. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. So the beast also has a stipulated time frame within which to exercise its authority. Remember, the man of lawlessness is also eventually doomed for destruction. And then it says, and it was given authority over every tribe, people, and language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. Now here's a very important caution and admonition for the children of God. It says, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Which means you and I, when we go through hardships, we need to have a proper theology around sufferings and stop this illusion that other people are giving us that when you are a child of God, you won't suffer. You will suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. It says, Then I saw a second beast. Where is it coming from? Coming out of the earth. The first one came out of the sea. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast. Where did the first beast take its authority? From the devil, the dragon. So even this one, it is just an extension of delegated powers. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven and to earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was giving power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Typical Satan strategy, deception. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the, the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. 
Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is six, 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 triple six. So here's what I want us to kind of pack it for this week. Everything that we have read in the two chapters points to one reality. All the beasts that you see operate under cascading level of authority, delegated authority, which comes from but one schema, the dragon, the devil, who's not becoming our enemy there. He's already our enemy now. But as it were, the second statement that we'll look into to the next weeks tells us that the authority we have does not change. Why does it not change? Because when Christ gave us authority, he gave us authority over all the power of the enemy. He gave us strategies that we will look into in the next coming weeks. Resist the devil, for instance, and he will flee from you. Descend the spirit. So all these things that we need to deal with the enemy now and the enemy there are already given to us. It's us who are putting ourselves at the back foot. So this week, what we have done is to simply identify that we're not going to be dealing with anything new. Triple six is just a manifestation of the power of the devil, which we already have power against. And others will be asking, and I'll answer this question. Why does it say the, the enemy will conquer the believers? Well, I've already told you, it doesn't mean he will have authority. He won't have exosia over us. Go read the chapter 11 about the three witnesses. It specifically speaks of the fact that dealing with opposition, Christians will die. But death in itself is not the end of the story. It's part of the script that the enemy does not know that we even in death, we have victory. So take courage this week. Spend time exercising yourself in godliness. Be aware of your enemy. The Bible says, be watchful in prayer, be alert. Get into prayer. Don't get into fear. Don't be thinking, who the devil is going to be stronger later. No, 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 he's not going to be any stronger. You will be weaker. So just make sure that when that time comes, you are not weaker. You are founded on proper doctrine of the believer's authority. Amen. So let's just pray. If you are not born again, once again, you all you have to do is believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead. He died for your sake. God sent him and confess him with your mouth that he is Lord. Go and read from Romans chapter 10 from verse 9 to the end. It will give you the gist of what it means to be born again. And if you have questions, you can send us, comment on Facebook or wherever you can access us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that we know our enemy. We know that he's a liar, he's a murderer, he's a schemer. But we know that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all spiritual authorities, power, and dominions. And that the enemy will do nothing new in the future, except what he has already done, to lie, to deceive, to try to kill. But we have victory in Jesus Christ. For we declare what shall separate us from the love of God. Even death itself, even demons, hides, angels, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So none of what we read in the book of Revelation, if we are truly your children, born of the eternal washing blood of Christ, eternally redeemed in you, none of this stuff will make us fear. We take confidence in the fact that the finished work of Christ Jesus has accomplished everything for our security in you. We pray with gratitude and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen.